We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is gun control. More laws against guns. More talk of taking away our Second Amendment rights. And the question is this, will more laws make us a more moral people? I'll answer this question and more on today's rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. For those who listen every day, thank you for bearing with me as I took a couple days off the last, uh, the tail end of last week. The reason for that is I had to travel to Kentucky to do some consulting and speaking for a Christian school out there. And I just decided to ask Brooks Brewer for KOKL to run a couple repeats, uh, best of the rebellion, if you will. And if you're listening on the podcast version, that's why there's a couple days off there. But we're back in the saddle and ready to run today. And the topic is gun laws and gun control, our Second Amendment rights, and the left's predictable call for more laws in the wake of the Buffalo and Texas shootings. This is as predictable as the sunrise. Beto O'Rourke, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, the list goes on and on. The left is so predictable. They have a knee-jerk reaction to every single shooting that takes place in the United States by immediately calling for more laws to take guns away from everyone. That'll solve the problem, they say. Let's just ignore the fact that our Constitution guarantees us the right to bear arms, not only against the violence of an individual, but the violence of our government. This is why we have Second Amendment rights, so that we can defend our lives and our property. That's the point. Our founding fathers understood the threat of an overbearing government, not just the need to protect ourselves from the violence of an individual, but more specifically, to protect ourselves from the overreach of a government that threatens violence against your personal liberties, your personal property, and even your life. That's the point. But the left does not believe it's necessary for us to keep and bear arms. They don't believe that the Constitution should be interpreted literally. And therefore, every time something happens in our streets or in our schools, they call for more laws. That is the solution. Because obviously, more laws will make us a more moral people, right? That's today's topic. And I'm going to talk about the facts. The facts of what actually happens when a society decides to go for gun control. And I'll talk about that in the context of what we're doing on the political left here in the United States and whether or not the data actually bears it out. Does the data actually support their premise? What's history tell us? What does the past tell us about those cultures, those societies, those governments, those countries 
that have exercised gun control and taken guns away from the people. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Again, thank you so much for being loyal and listening into the show. little housekeeping before I get going uh, further with today's topic. Remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. You can also purchase my books and follow me on the Washington Times and schedule me to speak at your church or any other organization just by going to my website. And that's DrEverettPiper.com. That's D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. Again, you can access my books there, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, and the sequel, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe But It's Good, or you can get my first book by going to that website. And the first book was Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Any of those books... And likewise, follow me on the Washington Times. I write weekly there. My columns appear every Saturday or Sunday is when they are generally published. And if you want me to speak at your church, your organization, political event, uh, Second Amendment, First Amendment rights organizations, just go to my website and there's a tab there for scheduling the speaker. All right, enough of that. So the topic for the day is, will more laws make us a more moral people? Now, the context for today's commentary is this. Um, It was last week, something terrible happened. Our nation saw another morally lost young man enter a local school. And what did he do? He proceeded to shoot and kill 19 children and two teachers. And then the next shoot-a-drop was as predictable, I would argue, as the sunrise. Our nation's elites... They rushed to their respective podiums to score political points. Beto O'Rourke, Nancy Pelosi, AOC, Chuck Schumer, the list goes on and on and on. And what was their solution? Well, it's pretty simple. Remove the personal rights of all law-abiding Americans and replace those rights with what? More laws. They do this every time. It appears in the minds of our country's political class that that's the only solution. The average citizen's freedom to keep and bear arms, again, that's guaranteed to us by our Constitution, but that freedom is clearly to blame for every heinous act reported on the nightly news. This is a mad hatter's world of lies and confusion and upside-down definitions. This mad hatter's world of today's progressives just leads to more laws and less liberty Those are the only things that will arrest our cultural collapse. It's as if they tell us that more laws will give us more freedom and make us a more moral people. More laws will give you more liberty, they shout, rather than recognizing that the very definition of laws is that we get less liberty over and over again as they, the smart folks, try to tell us how to run our lives and ignore the very Constitution that they have pledged to defend and uphold. The only acceptable solution our country's smart folks see to this tsunami of violence, yes, I agree, there's violence sweeping across our schools and through our streets. I mean, when you and I went to school, we didn't have to worry about getting shot. When you and I used to walk the streets of, oh, communities like Kenosha, 
or Baltimore or Indianapolis. We didn't have to worry about being accosted. We didn't have to fear for our lives to go shopping in those communities. But you do now. So yes, there is violence in our schools. There is violence in our streets. But why is it that the only acceptable solution our country's smart folks see to all of this is to take away your freedom and my freedom and give more power to themselves while they're doing it? In their minds, in their minds, these folks seem to think that gun ownership equals gun violence. One more time, gun ownership is akin to gun violence. But stop and think about it. That would be like saying that car ownership equals car violence. In other words, owning a car is akin to uh, inevitably leading to vehicular homicide. The result of car ownership is that you're going to kill somebody with a car. Therefore, take away everyone's car. Same logic, really. So all other possibilities of cause and effect seem to completely escape their thinking the progressive left's thinking, our elites, the smart folks that think they should be able to take away our rights and give themselves more power. So let's just set aside the obvious non sequitur implied by those who seem to believe that owning a hammer surely means that you're going to use it to bludgeon someone to death. And let's look at another flaw in their logic. Let's look at what those people are ignoring when they argue for gun control. Let's look at the facts, the facts that the data actually support and the facts that they don't support. Let's look at the premise of taking guns away from people and look at the actual data of history, the lessons of history, the classroom of history, and what it actually proves. You know what it proves? The exact opposite of what these people are advocating. A quick overview of the world's most prominent examples of gun control does not show, does not show, I'll say it one more time, it does not show less gun violence. No, it actually shows exponentially more. Gun bans and the corresponding lack of the average civilian's ability to defend himself have not saved lives. No, they have not saved lives. Gun bans have not saved lives, as argued by these people who fancy themselves as our political superiors. The opposite is true. When governments control guns, we see that the corridors of history are stained with the blood, the death, of untold millions. I'll give you some examples. Here's the first one. The government confiscation of guns by the Supreme People's Assembly of North Korea has resulted in a minimum of one million deaths to date by Kim Jong-un's collective paradise. Okay, so they took guns away from the people of North Korea. What has happened? A million people have died as the result of that because they can't defend themselves against this lunatic. This lunatic who believes that he should be worshipped as a god as he subjects people to utter despair and poverty, takes away every personal freedom that they should be able to enjoy as people made in the image of God, all under the auspices of a collective paradise. A million people dead. And then we have 
at least 1.5 million defenseless people who are dead in the gun-free zones of Pol Pot's killing fields in Cambodia. That worked out real well, didn't it? Well, if that's not enough for you, let's go to another example. 17 million Jews and Slavs, Poles and Gypsies suffered their fate as they stood helpless and empty-handed, staring down the barrel of a gun that wasn't held in the hand of a neighbor, no, but in the clenched fist of their Axis superiors, such as Mussolini and Hirohito and Hitler. And, and let's not forget the apparent gold medal winners in this march for a gun-free world. The governments of Stalin and Mao, they left upwards to 60 to 70 million people dead and buried in the cemeteries of their gun-free utopias. So, you know, you know, we could go on and on and on and talk about gun-free zones, gun-free countries and cultures, gun-free communities, states. It, it doesn't end well. And the wisdom of our forefathers is very prescient. They knew what would happen if the government was the only thing, the only entity, and the leaders of that government were the only people that could keep and bear arms. The average citizen would have no ability to defend himself or herself against a despot, a tyrant, the king, if you will. So here's the question. Could it be that the problem is not guns, but rather ideas? Think about that. Could it be that the preaching of victimization and fomenting resentment have resulted in this chaos? Maybe that's the cause and effect. The ideas, maybe the ideas are bearing themselves out in our streets and in our classrooms and in our schools and in our culture and in our courts and in our communities. Could it be that belittling morality rather than the availability of bullets is what has led to this nightmare in Texas and Buffalo and even before that, Columbine, Sandy Hook. You, you, you pick your, your crisis. You, you pick your most violent scene. Oh, yes, I don't deny that it's happening, and nor should you. But to suggest that it's the availability of guns and bullets, as opposed to the ideas that are being taught to our kids that actually then go out and act in such a way. When you're teaching people to seek retribution, when you're telling them that they're victims, when you're fomenting resentment, do you think that maybe those ideas are going to lead somewhere? Could it be that dumbing down the value of life by creating a culture of death? Maybe that's the real monster behind the mask. You ever think of that? Maybe these are the questions we should be asking our superiors, the smart folks that want to give us more laws. Oh, yeah, they're the ones that will benefit from those laws, but you won't. I mean, call me crazy here, but maybe worshiping government rather than God? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe extolling socialism rather than elevating self-evident truths? Do you think maybe that's the problem? 
maybe the moral nihilism presently being taught in every one of your local public schools, maybe maybe that should be addressed. Maybe teaching kids how to use a condom rather than the Ten Commandments, maybe we should talk about that. Maybe teaching them to resent the law and the police rather than teaching them to be law-abiding citizens. Maybe that's a problem, you think? And maybe talking about our Constitution being bad all the time rather than teaching our students why it's exceptional and why it has given our country more freedom than any other country in the history of mankind. You think maybe some of these things are a problem? I've got got a newsflash for everybody listening right now, and hopefully I've got a few on the left, the progressives, listening right now. Salvador Ramos wasn't posting the Ten Commandments or the Beatitudes on his Facebook page. You, you, You think? You think maybe you ought to look at the ideas that he was imbibing? What was he taught in school? What was he taught in his community? My guess is... He probably didn't even know what the Ten Commandments were. Oh, and the Beatitudes? What the heck is that? Nobody even knows anymore. You don't stop evil by teaching victimization and revenge. You stop evil by teaching virtue and repentance. So maybe, just maybe, we should revisit the ideas that we're teaching in our classrooms. One more time, maybe we should revisit the ideas that we're teaching in our classrooms before we simply assume that the solution to all of this nonsense, everything that ails us, is giving more power to our Congress and our courts. You can take away their guns, and they'll use a sword. You can take away their sword, and they will use a club. You can take away their club, and they'll use a rock. But when you take away a culture's soul, there's nothing left to stop the evil that lurks in every human heart. Our founding fathers realized, what I've said on a previous show, that we are not good people. People without, quote-unquote, their language, founding father language, religion, are people that cannot exercise self-government. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's John Adams. Why do you think he said that? It's because he knew. You can take away our guns and we will use a sword. You can take away our sword and we will use a club. You can take away our club and we will use a rock. When you take away a culture's soul, when you take our soul away, our kids' soul away, in our local government schools. There's nothing left to stop the evil, the original sin that lurks in every human heart. That's what our founding fathers recognized. That's why we have competing powers, the free brand, the, excuse me, the three branches of government in our system of government, competing powers to control the evil that lurks in every human heart within each sector of those powers recognizing that if we don't train up a virtuous people, we are going to be prone to violence. You can outlaw guns, you can outlaw swords, you can outlaw clubs, and you can outlaw rocks, 
But until we return to teaching what is good rather than evil, we will continue to see more and more young people in our schools filled with hatred and rage. Again, John Adams, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, and it's all wholly inadequate. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. You know, I, I covered this a couple weeks ago. I said that violence is in the offing, and I said that it's the fault of our local schools. I, I, I said that when Joe Biden putters around the White House, addled and confused, talking about rainbow this and rainbow that, he, we're ignoring the fact that this kumbaya moment of sexual nihilism that seems to be the priority of the current administration. He's actually said that transgenderism is the civil rights issue of our time. No, it's not. The civil rights issue of our time is freedom. Freedom of religion, freedom to keep and bear arms, freedom. That's the civil rights issue of our time. Freedom to decide what you inject in your, into your body or, or not. Freedom to Wear what you want to wear on your face or not. Freedom to go to church. Freedom to go shopping. Freedom to buy and sell without the control and the watchful eye of Big Brother. The civil rights issue of our time is freedom. Freedom. And you're not going to get more freedom via more laws. You're not going to get more liberty with more legislation. No, that's not going to happen. These progressives seem to think that living in the land of the free and the home of the brave is an antiquated concept, that we now live in the land of the controlled and the, and the home of the fearful. It, it, give me liberty or give me death has been turned on its ear to, I fear death, so take my liberty. And because we fear death from some lunatic that some confused young man, this morally nihilistic young man who's who doesn't have a soul any longer, or at least the soul that he has is dark and hard, he learned that somewhere. He learned that somewhere. So you have to ask yourself a question. Where did he learn this? Where did he learn that violence is the solution? And I said in my article and my commentary a couple weeks ago when I said violence is in the offing, I said it's the fault of our schools. 23% of America's students, college-age students, now think it's okay to use violence to silence those with whom they disagree. 23%. That was data that was reported by the the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. The acronym is FIRE. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education reported a couple weeks ago that 23% of America's college students now think it's okay to use violence to silence anyone with whom they disagree. A quarter of our 18 to 21-year-olds think violence, violence is okay to silence you if they disagree with you. And 66% currently support shutting down a campus speaker whose ideas they don't like. Where are they getting this? Where are they getting these ideas? I'm going to repeat it one more time. I don't want that to slip past you. Nearly a quarter of our precious darlings, whose education we've helped to pay for with our hundreds of millions of dollars of hard-earned tax, 
taxes. Now tell us that they have no problem beating you into submission if they don't like your views. And two-thirds of these fragile snowflakes who don't go so far as to think you should be physically accosted have no problem plugging their ears and throwing a temper tantrum if they hear something that they don't like. These self-absorbed chronological snobs either want to silence you through violence or just plug their ears like a two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum in the grocery store aisle because he wants a cheap $1 plastic toy. That should stun you, a quarter of our 18 to 20-year-olds think it's okay to silence you with violence. Don't act like you're surprised when this kid enters a school in Texas and shoots people. I, 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 as tacky as it is, I feel like saying, I told you so. I told you so. I told you that violence was in the offing. I told you that a quarter of our 18 to 20, 21-year-olds are telling you in a survey they don't have any problem with this. Now, can the schools wash their hands of the behavior of the current culture? One of the things that just annoys the tar out of me is my industry acting like it has no responsibility for this. I'm going to say it one more time. I've said it before on this show. What, what entity of our culture has the responsibility for our children more than any other in terms of quantitative time that they spend with the kids in a given day or a given week? Is it the church? No. Our kids don't spend as much time in church as they do in this other entity. Is it the dinner table with parents? No. Our kids don't spend as much time with parents at the dinner table in conversation in teaching, in mentoring, as they do with this other entity. What entity spends more time quantitatively, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, than any other in our culture? It's the schools. Your kids spend more time in the local government school than any other entity in culture. They spend more time there than with you. They spend more time there than in church or Sunday school. That's where they're getting their moral instruction or their amoral instruction. That's where they're being nurtured to grow up as virtuous men and women, or that's where they're getting nihilism that tells them that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for you. That's where they're being told to control themselves because there is such a thing as moral behavior, sexually or otherwise, or that's where they're being taught that it doesn't matter what their sexual behavior is as long as it's consensual and they protect themselves. You teach garbage, you're going to get garbage behavior. Garbage in, garbage out. Ideas have consequences. That's why you're seeing what you see in Buffalo and Texas. And more laws are not going to fix it until you start teaching more morality in your local schools. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.